Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Our community as we bear witness of the, the goodness of God. And so today we are wrapping that up, like I said, and we've talked a lot about some of the supernatural uh, gifts over the last few weeks, tongues and healings and prophecy and all that. And today we're talking about three service gifts, right? These three gifts of service, hospitality, giving, hospitality, giving, and service. There it is. I knew I'd find the other one, right? And these, these gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit that are like, we're all called to be hospitable. We're hospitable. We're all called to, be, to give and we're all called to serve. But some people actually have the gift of serving, right? If you take a spiritual gift test and you fill it out and you're like, oh, darn it, I got the gift of serving. You probably don't actually have the gift of serving, all right? So that's good news, but it doesn't mean you don't have to serve. Anyway, we'll just, we'll get there. We'll get there. So today, I just want to do a brief overview and looking at these surface gifts. And as I was thinking about them, it, it made me think that I really see two ways uh, that I approach life, two ways of, of looking at the world, right? And think of it as two different paths to get to a goal, right? And the goal is the same, regardless of which path I take. The goal is abundant life, joy, peace, rest, a feeling of significance. But I've seen in my life that there's two different ways that I've taken to try to get to that goal. The first one is what we call the the way of the world, right? It, It says that I'm going to achieve my goal of rest and peace and significance through the acquisition of power, through the acquisition of prestige or influence, right? It's all about me and it's about my needs. It's about what's in my checkbook, right? It's everybody should be serving me. Everybody should be meeting my needs and loving me. I'm probably the hardest working person on the planet, so it's time for people to start taking care of me, right? The way of the world says you have to look out for yourself first, and if you have anything left over, then you can, can give that out. And if we reach this place of power and prestige and influence, then we will be at peace and rest, right? Well, that's what the the world seems to say, but I've tried it that way, and it's never seemed to to work out. I see the, the world's way as this treadmill that keeps us running after the goal, but never actually meeting the need, never actually satisfying us. But then there is the second path. The second path is the way of the cross. It's the, the way of Jesus, which says, I'm going to lay down my rights. I'm going to lay down my life for others. And in that process, I'm going to find actually and really and fully what I'm looking for. As I die to myself, following the example of Jesus, it's, that, it's in that place that I find peace and rest and joy and significance, and freedom. And maybe you guys have felt that tension too, right? You, you're looking, I think all of humanity is looking for these things, the abundant life, right? Fullness of joy, peace, and rest, and, and significance. But we've tried a bunch of different things, and maybe you haven't found it. 
You've been on that, that treadmill running after this thing, but never actually able to accomplish it. Well, we are not actually the first people to struggle with this or to think about this, right? This is not a, a 2019 human problem. This is a humanity from all times problem. And the Apostle Paul actually wrote about this 2,000 years ago. People turn, he's encouraging people to turn away from the way of the world and follow the path of Jesus. Because as Paul says, and as we're going to see in a minute, when we come into proper alignment with Jesus as our Lord and Savior, as we are willing to follow him in the way of the cross, in the way of death, right? that leads to our flourishing. That leads us to finding fulfillment and satisfaction and knowing that we are significant and loved. And it also leads to the building up of the church, the building up of our communities, and the flourishing of humanity. Right? So that's what we're going to look at today in, in a few minutes. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. You can open to that or you can just follow along on the slides. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It's a relatively long passage, but I think it's important that we get the entire context of what Paul is talking about there. And in this passage, as well as the other passage where Paul talks at length about spiritual gifts, which is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, uh, Paul uses or reveals these three foundations, these three core components for our understanding of the spiritual gifts. First, as we look at this text, we see that spiritual gifts are always talked about in the countercultural way of the cross. All right? This is the spiritual gifts in the way of Jesus does life differently than the world does it. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, uh, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Everybody who read this in the first century would have 
known exactly what Paul was talking about when he was talking about a sacrifice. I know sacrifices. It's when you take a, a bull or a goat or a sheep or a bird and you pick it up and you put it on a table in the, in the holy place and you kill it and spill its blood to either worship God or to deal with sin, right? And the sacrifice always dies. But Paul says, in the way of Jesus, in the new covenant, we are called to become the sacrifice. To follow the example of Jesus, who laid his life down for us. Now we are to come to crawl up on the altar and die. And it's in this place, Paul says, there we is how we express our true and proper worship. God's not interested in the blood of bulls and goats, the author of Hebrews says, right? But he's interested in our hearts laid down for the glorification of God and for the good of the community, right? So we are supposed to die to ourselves, very countercultural. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't follow the way of the world, but follow the way of Jesus, I know it doesn't look like fun. I, don't, I know it doesn't look like it's going to get you to the goal that you want, but this is where we find life. This is where we align ourselves with God's perfect will. The second foundation uh, that we see in Paul about understanding spiritual gifts is that he celebrates unity and diversity in both texts, in Romans 12, 4 and 5, and in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12 to 27, Paul uses this body imagery, right? He says the church is like a body and there's many parts and they all serve one another. In Romans, he says, for just as each one of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to the other, right? We get that. We've talked about it for like six weeks or six months, depending on how you look at it. Three foundations for understanding spiritual gifts. Number three, there is a foundation of love, right? The, 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 the spiritual gifts are always talked about in this context of love. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul talks about spiritual gifts and the organization of church services in 12 and 14. And then smack dab in the middle in, in 1 Corinthians 13 is that super famous uh, passage we use in weddings, you know, love is patient, love is kind, love believes the best, right? Love doesn't hold on to a record of wrong. And then in Romans 12, 9, right after the very next verse, after Paul gives us this spiritual gift list, he says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Right? And this is the motivation, the foundation, the context of spiritual gifts. It is an expression of the love of God. It's how we reveal our love for our community and how we build up Jesus' church. And so all these spiritual gifts are self-sacrificing paths that build up the church and that glorify God. And so today what I want to do is look at these three gifts Right? hospitality, giving, and service, and see how they reveal the countercultural way of the cross, how they celebrate unity in diversity, and how they are founded in and reveal the love of God. Okay? That's where we're going. And we're just going to click right through these, friends. Hospitality is the, the first one. This is such an awesome gift. Such an awesome gift. Hospitality is the practice of welcoming a guest or a stranger graciously. Simple. 
Right? And we see this throughout the, the biblical story in that culture being hospitable, inviting people into your home, having table fellowship with people was super duper important. It was super valuable. People were excited about it. Right? We see it in the story of Abraham in Genesis 18. He's sitting out under a tree in the heat of the day and these three strangers come walking up. And he gets excited when he sees them. He tells his wife, make dinner. We're going to have these three strangers over for dinner today. I don't know what Amber would do if I was just sitting out in the front porch and I saw some people walking down the street. It's like, Amber, kill something. We're going to have dinner with these three strangers. Right? Um, I don't know. It'll be fun. Right? And so this, but it's this picture that we see over and over again in the text of hospitality. Jesus talked about hospitality when he was proclaiming the, the kingdom of God. He would use imagery of food and drink and, and festive meals and wedding banquets. Right? In Matthew 22, he uses this parable. The, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Right? He, he's inviting people in to the family. In the, uh, the, the author of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 1-2, he says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Right? And so it's this invitation to be hospitable. And when we are hospitable to people, we are hospitable to God. All right. And so how does hospitality show the, the, or how does it reveal the countercultural way of the cross? Well, I think that the, the way of, of Jesus points us to, to welcome the stranger, right? to embrace those who are in need of care, to see God as the one who provides for our needs, who has given us a family, who has given us food, who has given us a place, welcomed us into his house. It's in Jesus or in the Father that we have security. And, and, it, and we get to live that out, right? We get to be expressions of that by inviting people in, right? We get to reveal God. We lay down our time and our energy and our resources for others. How does hospitality celebrate unity and diversity? Uh, the way of Jesus directs us to consider the ways in which others who are different from us can share a meal with us and can join us in fellowship. So often we just want to be with people that are like us, people that we agree with, right? But this idea of hospitality and specifically the hospitality that we see given to, to strangers and, and foreigners, it pushes us away from only associating with people like us. Right? We celebrate the diversity of the church as we invite them in. How does hospitality reveal love? It's a tough one, but the way of Jesus, it just shows he, he expressed love and an invitation to come join the family of God to the entire world. Right? He showed hospitality to all. Whoever is hungry, whoever is thirsty, come to me. And when we practice hospitality, it draws people into the kingdom. It draws people into the family of God. Amber and I have been at the, the church here for years, years and years, and every Sunday since 2018. We feel welcome, we feel loved here, obviously. But there was a number of months ago, we went to a, a small group, and 
I don't know what happened. It was just this beautiful time. The, the Wagners hosted it. I'm so appreciative of them. And Amber and I came in just with these other people, and we just, there's a place for us at the table, and we were valuable, and we were part of the community and that hospitality. And I just remember driving away from that, that small group just going like, oh, we belong here. We have family here. Right? And we get to do that to people in our community, to friends and family and to strangers and people who come and join the church. Right? We don't want to be a, a little clique, a little exclusive club, but we're drawing people in to find life and hope and joy in this family and in the, the way of Jesus. All right, friends, we have to move on. We can't just keep talking about hospitality. The second gift uh, we're going to talk about today is giving. Oh, I should say, since this is, a, this is not just about hospitality, this is about spiritual gifts. Some people have the spiritual gift of hospitality, and they do hospitality to the extreme, and they're super excited about it, right? There's this girl at New Day Nichols that hosted a small group that I led one time. Her name was Megan, and it was amazing because you'd walk into Megan's house, and there's food, and there's drink, and the tables and chairs are set up in such a way, and there's pens, and she's got this aura of hospitality around her that just took that group to the next level, right? And she loved being hospitable, and it was a powerful tool of God to, to bring people into the kingdom. Okay, spiritual gift of giving. Giving enables a believer to recognize God's blessing and to respond to those blessings by generously, sacrificially, and cheerfully giving one's resources, time, talent, and finances without thought of return. If you don't have the gift of giving, you don't have to give. Just kidding. <laughs> Strike that from the recording. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a joke, right? We're all called to give. We see that in the, the law of Moses, in the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. There is so much in there about taking care of people, of giving to the, the Lord and giving to people in need, right? It's just a part of being the people of God. Right? And, and there's this great story in Exodus 36. They're building the, the tabernacle, and Moses actually has to get up and say, please, people, would you stop giving? We've got too much. We can't handle it anymore. So just keep your stuff for right now. We've, we've got everything we need. I've never seen that happen in, in our church. It would be great, though. Um, so you can keep giving. But giving is part of, of the of being a people of God. We see Jesus celebrate giving with the story of the widow's might. This is interesting. In Mark chapter 12, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Well, that's inappropriate. Jesus shouldn't be watching what people give, right? Come on, settle down, Jesus. Uh, but Jesus is watching what people put in. And he says that many rich people threw in large amounts but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor woman has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Right? Jesus celebrates this radical generosity. Right? And we see that throughout the New Testament, this, this call, this invitation to be radically generous because this reveals the heart of God who was radically generous to us. 
Now, the spiritual gift of giving can look like managing our finances in such a way as to give as much as possible to the Lord. Spiritual gift might look like meeting tangible needs that enable growth, whether that's spiritual growth or emotional growth or physical growth. It could be providing resources generously and cheerfully trusting God for his provision, right? I, I know people with this amazing gift that give what I would think, that's a pretty radical amount of giving. Maybe you should uh, keep a little bit just in case, right? But they are just trust God. They have this gift of faith. And they might have the special ability to make money so that they can use it to further God's work. And uh, so the spiritual gift of giving is just this passion and this excitement and an ability to, to give generously. All right. So how does giving reveal the countercultural way of the cross? Right. Giving reveals Jesus. Jesus came and gave his life, right? The world screams that we are supposed to look out for ourselves, that our increase is for our own leisure, it's for our own benefit, but the Christian life actually calls us to exorbitant generosity, giving of ourselves just as Jesus gave himself on the cross. How does giving celebrate uni unity and diversity? Well, self-sacrificial giving is for the benefit of the body. Right? It's not just for you. Your finances aren't just for you, but we, we give so that the whole body can flourish, the whole people of God. And how does giving reveal love? Well, it is an act of Christ-like love, not holding on to our rights. Right? And just as Jesus, the, the divine Son, came and poured himself out for the good of others, we pour ourselves out for the good of others. Matthew says the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And if we give without love as the motivation, Paul says, our giving profits us nothing, right? So we want to give out of love. Did I jump into the third one? I did. Well, that's the foundation of love. You get it. You get it. So this church, the church that we're sitting in right now is here be, because of people with the supernatural spiritual gift of giving, right? And the, the, the gift of faith. I remember when Cameron said, hey, we're going to plant a church in Vandalia. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. That makes no sense, Cameron. Like, I could, I could tell you a lot of communities that have a lot more people that we would, you could, how effective could our ministry be there? And he's like, no, this is what we're doing. I'm like, well, we'll see. And, and people like Cameron and Israel and many others step forward to give generously to that we can have this beautiful building in this beautiful place, right, to extend the kingdom of God, to be a family here. And it's because people gave extraordinarily, right, to, to this. And, and we've seen it in, in, our, in our lives in, in other ways and just appreciate the, the spiritual gift of giving. All right, moving along. The spiritual gift of service is our last gift uh, for today. And the spiritual gift, this enables a believer to work gladly behind the scenes in order that God's work is fulfilled. This is the divine enablement to accomplish practical and necessary tasks which free up support and meet the needs of others. Right? That's such a valuable and important gift. We're all called to serve. We're all called to walk the way of Jesus, to take up our cross. We see this in the, the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. 
I feel like I talk about this Bible story more than any others. Maybe it's my favorite Bible story, I don't know. But Jesus, the, the divine Son of God, not only comes down to be born in a manger, but then later on, just days before his death on a Roman cross, strips off his clothes, puts on a towel, and washes the grimy, dirty, gross feet of his disciples. Taking this position of the lowest slave. That's what Jesus did, right? And he said, he said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done with you. Right? And so we're all called to serve, to lay our lives down. But those with the gift of service have an even greater capacity and joy to serve. Right? Maybe that's behind the, the scenes, wherever there needs to be support for their other gifts and other ministries. Right? People with the, the gift of service, they see practical things that need to be done and they enjoy doing them. Right? And so this, and I just appreciate the, the gift of service so much, right? It actually frees up other people. One of the things about the gift of service is they, they love doing some, you know, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff and doing kind of practical needs that free other people up to do ministry, right? Amber has the gift of service. I could not serve the church like I do if Amber wasn't at home doing all the home, home things, <laughs> Whatever it is, who knows? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the stuff. That's the stuff that Amber does, taking care of stuff. Should have written that down, maybe. <laughs> uh, so how, do, how does service reveal the countercultural way of the cross? Right? Again, again, this is not rocket science. This is not something new. This is not some revelation. Oh, I've never thought of it that way. The way of the cross calls us to lay down our lives for the sake of others. Right? We're not running through life grasping for power, prestige, and influence. We are called to serve. In this beautiful poem in Philippians 2, Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Right? This is what Jesus, if anybody deserves to be sitting on a throne in the palace, having people serving him and taking care of his every whim, it's Jesus. And as we look at every other, you know, I'm in this class and we're looking at ancient Near Eastern myth, creation myths and stuff. And every other ancient Near Eastern myth is all about these gods creating people to, to serve them and to, to work. And they're just, and they hate these people and they just use them and abuse them. Right? But, the, but the Christian gospel, the, 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 the Jewish or Hebrew teaching, is a radically different idea. It's this God who loves and cares for his people so much that he's willing to come and dwell with them. We see that in the, the pillar of cloud and the fire. We see it in the tabernacle. We see it in the temple in the midst of Jerusalem. We see it in the person of Jesus Christ coming to be born a man. Right? That is the service. And he lays his life down and allows God to exalt him. That's how it reveals the countercultural way 
Right? It is opposed to what the world says. It's not grasping for ourselves. It's how do we give. How does service celebrate unity and diversity? Service is seen throughout the, the, the body imagery, right? You know, the, the hand needs the foot and the elbow needs this part. All the parts need one another. I'm so bad at this. I'm trying to hurry. That's my problem. Oh, good. And how does service reveal love? John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay one's life down for his friends. Service to others just reveals the kingdom. We know Jesus loved us by his actions on the cross. Right? And we show our love to our family and to our friends and to our church community and to our greater community, to our nation and to our world by serving, by laying our lives down for them. And so all of these spiritual gifts, all, uh, they all invite us into this way of the cross, this way of service for others, a way of life that prefers other people before ourselves. But if we think that we can just like, oh, there's another sermon. I got to do some more stuff. Oh, I got I to gotta work harder again this week because I'm really messing up, right? Like we don't have it in us. We're just like these broken, fallible human beings. But we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, right, that empowers us and enables us to recognize Jesus, to see what he has done, and to follow after him. The Holy Spirit actually writes the, the law of God and the, the, the love of God on our hearts that, and empowers us to do these very things, to lay our lives down. So this isn't just, a, what I didn't want this message to be was just like, come on guys, give. Have somebody over to your house. Can't you serve somebody for once? Because you guys do that exceptionally well. This is not supposed to be weighty. This is to be a celebration of what we do well and an encouragement and a call to us to step into it even more. Remembering that it is God's spirit that empowers us to do it. And we want to use the, this last six weeks talking about the, the grace gifts as this reminder to, to run after the, the spiritual gifts, to, to do the, the things that God has empowered us to do. And it is going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful if we all lived this way. How would that transform our marriages? How would that transform our families and our community and our church if we were all excitedly laying down our lives to, see, to, to, to serve one another. Well, would you stand with me? I'm just going to close in prayer. Father God, we love you. And Jesus, we thank you that you gave your life to serve us. It's, it's mind-boggling that you would do that. Lord, but we receive it. We see, receive the gift of your hospitality, of your giving and your service. And Lord, help us to go forth and do likewise. Lord, empower us, fill us with your Holy Spirit to do these things you've called us to do. Lord, and we want to bring glory to you and to build up your church. In your name we pray, amen.